Welcome to Mexico Unexplained, where we will explore the magic, the mysteries, and the miracles of Mexico. This series presents information based partly on theory and conjecture. The podcaster's purpose is to suggest some possible explanation, but not necessarily the only ones to the subjects we will examine. Here is your host, Robert Bitto. Welcome and muy bienvenidos to episode number 112 of Mexico Unexplained, where we examine the magic, the mysteries, and the miracles of Mexico. I'm your host, Robert Bitto. Outside the town of Cotija de la Paz in the Mexican state of Michoacan, a teenage boy was wandering about his family's landholdings, which numbered into the thousands of acres. The boy's name was Rafael Guizar y Valencia, one of the eleven children of Prudencio Guizar and Natividad Valencia. It was a summer day in the year 1894, and as was typical of that time of year, a sudden thunderstorm started to pour down rain and fill the sky with lightning. The storm was particularly ferocious, but the young Rafael was intrigued by nature's violent display and sat on a hill watching the storm. Amid the dark, swirling clouds and lightning bolts, the teenage boy claimed to see an image of Jesus. The sighting so alarmed him that he ran to seek refuge from the storm and entered a chapel dedicated to the Virgin of San Juan de los Lagos on his parents' property. He prayed to the statue of the Virgin, and according to what Rafael would later tell his parents, the statue appeared to emit its own bright luminescence. It was at this moment in the chapel that the young blue-eyed Raphael decided to become a priest and to devote his life to God. Raphael's story is very closely intertwined with the history of Mexico, and despite the many challenges of the times, Raphael Guizar never gave up his spiritual and pastoral devotions. Raphael's parents supported his decision and soon the boy entered the seminary at Zamora, Michoacan. Rafael became a priest on June 6, 1901, at the age of 23, and soon embarked on one of his countless apostolic missions to serve many who lived in rural communities and across the countryside in central Mexico. Because he was from a family of means, Rafael used his own money to establish a school for poor girls and two colleges for boys, in addition to setting up the Congregation of Missionaries of Our Lady of Hope, a religious community, in 1903. The year 1910 saw the beginning of the Mexican Revolution and the first of two major persecutions of the Catholic Church in early 20th century Mexico. Guizar saw the need to minister to soldiers on both sides, especially on the battlefield, to administer the Catholic sacraments such as confession and last rites. He was on the revolutionary government's blacklist, however, and had a bounty on his head. With his congregation wiped out and his public career gone, Father Rafael Guizar went underground, so to speak, and fled to the safety of Mexico City, where he set up a printing press and began to publish evangelical materials. The government shut him down and he fled the city, accompanying factions of the Revolutionary Army in disguise, sometimes as a junk dealer, a doctor, or a musician, but always ministering to the soldiers in secret and fulfilling his duties as a priest. 
With the price still on his head, he was captured in 1915 and sent to jail to await a firing squad. Gisar protested and claimed that they arrested the wrong man and that he really wasn't Father Rafael Gisar, or a Catholic priest at all, but a poor traveling musician. One of the jailers gave him an accordion and told him to play. Father Rafael did just that and filled the jail with marvelous renditions of popular Mexican folk songs. Everyone was entertained, and he soon had them convinced that they had arrested the wrong man. One of his captors was noted as saying, quote, Here's 25 pesos, take the accordion and go. End quote. Little did they know that as a priest in training, the future saint was the head of a musical group he founded at the seminary called Los Gallos Místicos, or in English, the Mystical Roosters. As soon as he left the hands of the revolutionaries, Gisar escaped to Texas, and by 1916 he found his way to Guatemala, where he stayed for eight months. After Guatemala, it was on to Cuba. He had a sister who had married well and was living a good life in Havana. Besides a brief stint in Colombia, he lived in Havana for three years. Everywhere he went, even if it was for a brief time, Gisar set up missions to help the poor and underserved. He was relentless in this regard and worked tirelessly to assist those in need. By late 1919, Gisar was named Bishop of Veracruz and was sent back to Mexico. By the time of his arrival on January 4, 1920, the state of Veracruz had suffered a terrible earthquake in which thousands of people were killed, especially in the interior of the state. Gieser forewent the pomp and circumstance of an official investiture and hit the ground running when he arrived at his new post. He immediately took a train to the interior, the areas most affected by the quake, to give assistance and solace to those in direst need. The first years of his term as bishop were marked by his intense approach to evangelization and helping the rural areas of his jurisdiction. Gieser was often seen traveling by borough, were on foot to get to the communities that needed him the most. His pastoral outreach was once again thwarted by the changing political situation in Mexico by 1926 with the outset of the Cristero Rebellion. The Cristero War, also known as the Cristero Rebellion or La Cristiada, was a brutal internal conflict that lasted between 1926 and 1929 and pitted rural Catholic laypeople and clergymen against the forces of the anti-Catholic, anti-clerical central government in Mexico City, headed by President Plutarco Calles. Calles sought to enforce the anti-clerical articles of the new Constitution of 1917, produced by the Mexican Revolution, and enacted legislation to reduce the power of the Church. This so-called Calles Law was seen as a continuation of the long struggle of church versus state that dated back to La Reforma in the mid-19th century. Under this law, restrictions were placed on the Catholic clergy, and the power of the church was further limited. Popular religious celebrations were suppressed in local communities, along with the number of priests allowed to serve in Mexico as a whole. A few uprisings happened in 1926, and full-scale violence ensued by 1927, most notably in the countryside of the states of Zacatecas, Jalisco, and Michoacán. 
By 1927, all priests were prohibited from celebrating the Mass and ordered confined to their residences or to relocate to urban areas. Most clergy did not take part in violence, although many, like Bishop Gieser, defied the authorities and continued performing Catholic rites. Gieser's seminary was the only functioning training center for Catholic priests during the entire conflict and had over 300 young men enrolled. The church hierarchy in Mexico tacitly supported the grassroots rebellion and the authorities in Rome condemned the Mexican government. In 1928, Dwight Whitney Morrow, the U.S. ambassador to Mexico at the time, became involved and eventually helped broker a truce between government forces and the Cristeros. In the end, approximately a quarter million people died in the fighting. Because he was a controversial figure and once again wanted for his subversive activities, Bishop Gieser spent a little less than two years abroad for a second time going back to Texas, Cuba, Colombia, and Guatemala to check on the progress of the missions he had founded in those areas less than 10 years before. In 1929, he found himself back in Mexico and assumed his pre-Cristero activities. The end of the Cristero Rebellion did not end the hard times for the Catholic Church in Mexico, nor did it make life easier for Bishop Guizar. To limit the powers of the Church, Adalberto Tejada Olivares, governor of the state of Veracruz, declared in 1931 that there would only be one priest for 100,000 citizens in his state. Once again, things were tense between government and religious authorities. And July 23, 1931 saw another tipping point. The murder of a 23-year-old priest, Angel Dario Acosta, on that July evening, government militiamen entered the Assumption Cathedral in the city of Veracruz and opened fire, killing Angel Acosta, who had just baptized an infant. The incident so outraged Bishop Gieser that he ordered all churches throughout the state to be closed in protest. Feeling the political pressure of this move, Governor Tejada ordered Gieser to be shot on sight and offered a bounty on his head. The bishop's reaction was not to flee the country, but to head directly to the governor's office and confront Tejada face to face. The bishop told the governor that he respected authority, but wished that the governor would shoot him himself instead of having a poor parishioner kill him to collect the few pesos bounty. Impressed by Gisar's bravery and honor, Tejada rescinded the order and told the bishop he was free to go about his business. The governor also lifted all the restrictions he had placed on the church in Veracruz. After this, Bishop Gieser continued his missionary work and ministered to tens of thousands of people in need. The future saint had suffered for many years from a variety of health conditions, from tuberculosis to diabetes to circulation problems. His very busy schedule and his tireless dedication to his causes exacerbated his health issues. Knowing that his end was near and not wanting any trouble taken for elaborate funeral services, in his final days, Gieser was quoted as saying, I want to die like the poorest of the poor. He had a heart attack and passed away on June 6, 1938, at the age of 60. Twelve years after his death, 
the Archdiocese of Veracruz decided to exhume the body of Rafael Guisari Valencia and inter him inside the Jalapa Cathedral. When they opened up the coffin, they saw that his body was still intact and incorrupt, even down to his bright blue eyes. While this is not a prerequisite for sainthood, it is considered by the Catholic Church to be a good sign, and Bishop Gieser was put on the track to sainthood, first declared a servant of God, then venerable. Pope John Paul II beatified him on January 29, 1995. After the beatification, church officials investigated two medical miracles attributed to Gieser's intercession. In one instance, a woman named Serana Rivera, who was infertile due to a hereditary medical condition, gave birth to a healthy boy after praying to the bishop. The other medical miracle also involved the birth of a baby. Valentina Santiago was told by her doctor that her baby would be born with severe birth defects, as evidenced by various ultrasound images. During her pregnancy, Valentina went to the Jalapa Cathedral daily and prayed to Rafael Guisar, and the baby was born without the defects as seen in the many ultrasounds. The humble bishop was canonized by Pope Benedict XVI on October 15, 2006, and now takes his rightful seat among Mexico's pantheon of saints. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of Mexico Unexplained. Remember to like and subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on Twitter. Tell your friends by sharing these shows with others. Please go to our website, MexicoUnexplained.com, for references, illustrations, and for free access to transcripts of past shows. Please visit Amazon.com to purchase the book, Mexico Unexplained, to get a hard copy of The Magic, The Mysteries, and The Miracles of Mexico. We appreciate your kind attention once again. Until next time, thank you and gracias. Thank you for listening to another episode of Mexico Unexplained with host Robert Bitto. For show summary, relevant links, and commentary, please check out our website at MexicoUnexplained.com. Like us on Facebook and be a part of the conversation. Adios and hasta la vista.